Welcome to the Career Confidence Podcast, the podcast for driven lawyers wanting to step out of the traditional path and build fulfilling and purposeful careers. I'm your host, Maria Duca, legal counsel and career coach, helping you navigate your career with intention and confidence. In this podcast, we don't shy away from having real conversations about topics that matter to us driven AF go-getters. From manifesting your dream career, negotiating the salary you deserve, creating your personal brand, knowing when it's time to pivot. We cover these topics and so much more. You ready? Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, hey, I hope you're doing well. So today we're talking about how to benefit from the Great Resignation. And if you haven't heard of this term, maybe you've been living under a rock because this term or buzzword or whatever you like to call it has been hitting the workforce and in particular the the corporate world for the last year. And it has really shaken up the way employees are engaging with employers and vice versa. And it has also created a shakeup in terms of the attraction and retention of really great talent in organizations because people have now the power to make a decision on where it is that they want to go, what it is that they want to do. The ball is essentially in their court in relation to freer opportunities. Now, today I am going to speak to Anna Glynn, and she will be giving us more perspective around the Great Resignation and how you can benefit from it. Anna is a speaker, educator, and coach on thriving workplaces. Anna sees her key role as translating research into relatable strategies for organizations to empower their people and performance to thrive. Anna's mission is to create workplaces where people can be at their best each day and are better off having work there. I mean, how amazing is that? I think we need more Annas in all organizations to be ensuring that the people are truly thriving because it's no secret that when people are thriving, workplaces are thriving, companies are thriving, and they become more profitable. It is a no-brainer. And in terms of what we chat about, Anna and I talk about how to benefit from the great resignation and the fact that the ball is now in the employee's court for job opportunities and how to really harness this time in history, how to get clear on what your purpose is and how to find it in your work and why it's important to have that sense of purpose in what you do, what some businesses are doing well in terms of attracting and retaining good talent. And Anna also provides us with practical tips on how to be engaged at work, especially after very disruptive two years. Now let's dive into today's conversation with Anna Glynn. Hello, Heather. Welcome to the Career Confidence Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very much looking forward to the discussion. Me too. Now, let's just dive straight into it. And would you please tell listeners who Anna is and what do you do? My name is Anna Gwynn and I run my own practice where very much I'm about supporting organizations to thrive. So I see my role really as translating the latest research that's come from Solana into relatable strategies. So that means they're strategies that organizations can use to 
boost things like employee engagement, resilience, well-being, and then ultimately performance as well. So I do it through a range of different ways, through speaking, through educating, and also through coaching. And really my mission with my practice is to create workplaces where people can be at their best every day and also they're better off having work there as well. I love that. That's very much needed during this time, especially. And as you know, and you're very much aware because you work with a lot of big organization, there is a lot of talk about the great resignation and the power being in the hands of employees at this moment in time. What is your take on the great resignation? Great question. I think for a while there, I was sort of trying to understand, is this a real thing or is it a bit of a myth? And certainly, you know, last year we saw it starting to sweep across America and then there was thoughts about, okay, is this actually going to happen here in Australia? Absolutely asking that question at the start of the year. And now what we can see from data certainly coming out from the ABS, they recently found that the turnover rate in February this year had gone up two points. So from 7.5% last year in February to 9.5% in February this year. And it's actually the highest it's ever been since 2012. More people are leaving, that is for sure. The worrying statistic that I found in that research that they shared is that there's actually a concern that it might even get to 15% by the end of this year as the labour market tightens. So It is a real theme because of that, because there is this labour shortage around, which a lot of organisations are talking about and trying to overcome that challenge. What that now means is that the power has shifted to employees at the moment. So employees, uh, rather than the organisations, actually the ball is in their court. And for a lot of reasons, people are seeing this time as perhaps the opportunity to try something else or to move on to a different organization or a different industry. I love that actually, because I I feel like this is a great time for employees to start crafting the career that they always wanted and, and make that shift that they've perhaps been thinking about for a very long time. How can employees harness this pivotal time to craft the job that they really want? What are some tips around that? Yeah, I love that terminology, crafting your job. And it is actually one of the Evidence-backed interventions that I talk to organisations about because it has been found through research that it is a way that we can actually boost our job satisfaction, engagement in our job, and again, things like our well-being performance. Typically, there's three ways we can craft our jobs, which is really interesting. So the first is you can think about who it is you're working with. As humans, we love to be connected to others. We love to feel like we belong. So ways we can actually craft our job is to consider, well, who is it that we want to work with? Another way to do that is also thinking about our jobs. So what's the way that we actually perceive our job? Do we see it as just sort of that nine to five, turn up, show up, do our tasks? Or do we see our jobs in the way that we're actually contributing to something greater than us and helping our organizations perhaps achieve their mission? And the third way that we can do it is actually thinking about what are the tasks we're doing? So are the tasks that I'm doing actually lighting me up or am I doing things that are draining me? So we want to be trying to think about what are the things that really fire me up, get me into perhaps some flow and how can we do that more? Given it's such a huge benefit for our organizations as well, this should be a strategy that they're all adopting to try and ensure that employers have that ability to craft their job given the benefits it provides. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's one thing employees wanting to do that, but if they don't have the support or that space to do so, then there's only so much they can do really before they may look elsewhere. That's it. And something a lot of people are really prioritizing, and you touched on it before around finding the flow and this feeds into the great resignation as well, is that desire to find purpose in their work? Because I feel like maybe for such a long time, they were suppressing that and pushing that down, just doing the daily grind. But the last couple of years, of course, have um, given us that time and space to really think about what gives us purpose. And I don't think this is a very big question to ask, but how can someone find purpose in their work? And what are some things they can focus on to get clear on their purpose? During the pandemic was people reevaluating what is my purpose or what is it that I'm doing and how am I actually trying to contribute to something greater than myself? Typically, this does happen when people go through traumatic times or challenging times, people reevaluating what is important to them. So we absolutely saw that during the pandemic. As I said, as humans, though, we all have this need to feel like we're doing something greater than ourselves. And so part of that is obviously working out, I guess, the first step around what is my purpose or what is it that I see as what I want to contribute to that's something greater than me. From a work perspective, if we can fulfill our purpose, our individual purpose at work, so it aligns with the organizational purpose, then that's actually when we find meaning in work. So that's a really great thing if we can align our individual purpose with the organization's purpose. Where I typically start with individuals is asking them to think about what is it that you do or you want to do and what's the why of that? What's the so what? What's actually really the impact? And that's a really great way to start to identify what our purpose is. Now, as an example, for me, my purpose is to share everything that I've learned about positive psychology and beyond so more people can actually thrive in their lives. So a purpose can be quite broad, but certainly having one then actually helps us think about what's our career direction, it helps us shape our goals, and it can also help us make decisions in the day-to-day. So it is a really great thing to consider. And it's not something that's just going to come in a couple of minutes. It might actually be something that takes time to develop. And it's also something that might change, particularly depending on what's going on with people's lives and the challenges that they might be overcoming or perhaps new trauma that they may be going through. So it's certainly not something that we set in stone and it's something that can evolve over time. That's really great and well said because I, I do feel like if you do find that purpose feeds into your greater mission in your career and your direction in your career. And it's okay that if it changes as well through time and allow it to evolve and give it that space to do so as well. But yeah, if you don't actively think about or, you know, take action in regard to your purpose, then it can make it really difficult to stay engaged as well in the work that you do. Absolutely. And now, of course, businesses haven't been, you know, immune to the shakeup of the last few years. And they've also struggled with something that's coming up a lot now is the talent attraction and retention. What are some things you've seen businesses do well when it comes to attracting the best talent and retaining the best talent? This is pretty much the question that I get asked by every senior leader, CEO, CFO at the moment. It is the top challenge being faced by organizations right now. And I even read something of the day that a group of leaders met at Harvard and a third of them said, what's keeping them up at night is this question. How do we retain and attract talent? So 
it is a real challenge, as we spoke about, because turnover rates are so high, but it's something that a lot of organisations are trying to, to overcome or to face. Interestingly, I think the organisations that aren't concerned by this are the ones that are already meeting the needs of their employees. So an organisation is out there and they're already meeting those needs of their employees. They're typically not struggling with this issue because people aren't leaving their organisations. And also, quality talent wants to join them. They want to get in on it. Feeling overwhelmed, exhausted and stuck in a career that feels misaligned? You know that there's something missing, but you just don't know what those next steps will look like. Well, it's time to intentionally design your next career move with The Unbound Lawyer. Get crystal clear on the career you desire, own your unique skills, embrace your leadership mindset, and confidently move towards your dream role in 12 weeks. So you can create a fulfilling career that aligns with your lifestyle, stand out as you trailblaze your own path, attracting opportunities beyond what you thought possible. I'm doing a final intake of clients in my program, The Unbound Lawyer, by 18th of June before I go on mat leave in September. So if you want to join the Unbound Lawyer program, which is a private one-on-one three-month coaching program, now is the time. So run, don't walk, put this into your browser now, www.mariaduka.com forward slash unbound dash lawyer. That's www.marijaduka.com forward slash unbound dash lawyer and book in your discovery call today and we'll chat more about how we can turn your career goals into reality. Now let's go back to today's episode. I think the issue is that often organizations think that they're meeting their employee needs, but in actual fact, they're not. So sometimes people might think, oh, everyone's driven by money. And that's not necessarily the case. We certainly see different generations that value different things and it's not necessarily just money, but also people are looking to have their psychological needs met within organizations. So these things come back to employees feeling like they belong. So again, one of our seeing needs from a psychological perspective is to feel connected to the people that we're working with. And that's what creates that family environment, that culture where you want to be there. Also what people are looking for is things like training and development. You know, we all want to be better at our jobs. We all want to become masters of our skill set. So training and development is a really important part of that. Also, we know that autonomy and flexibility is really important to employees. Now, that's not just working from home and that's not just been a change since, you know, us all having to change the working environment we're part of. Autonomy has been a psychological need for some time of employees. And this doesn't just have to be, you know, working from home. It can actually be thinking about, again, the type of role you're doing, maybe flexible start and end times and that's what it's be. And lastly, again, coming back to the purpose piece, people are looking for an organization where they can fulfill their purpose. So there's lots of opportunities for organizations to be trying to meet those needs of their employees. And as you can see, money is not just necessarily the driver there. The other suggestion that I always have with leaders is if you actually don't know what your employees want, it's a good time to ask them. So actually try and ask them rather than mind reading and thinking this is what they want and perhaps trying to deliver a hold of things 
that's actually not important to them. So even if you think you know, I think it's always good still to just ask them. We're always going to have people that will leave, but we want to try and stop the best people from leaving. And also we want to try and make sure that when there is talent that we need to seek, that they're they're coming to us, they're drawn to our organisations as well. 100% agree with everything you said as an employee of an organisation myself. All those things that you said that matter to employees are what matter to me personally as well, particularly around the professional development and having that autonomy and the flexibility. And I agree that it doesn't necessarily mean remote working. It's just having flexibility in whatever that may look like in relation to your role within the business. So yeah, I agree with all of that. And it's also really important to note that flexibility piece because not everyone is able to work from home. Frontline staff can't. So what does flexibility look like for them or what does autonomy look like for them? So that's also why we need to be asking people because if it is a need of most of our employees, how do we meet that if it's not just about, oh, you can work from wherever you want because some people can't. So that's why it's really important to be asking people, well, what does this look like for you in your role? Yeah, 100%. Like I think it has to be a two-way dialogue. It can't just be an expectation, sorry, an assumption of what people want. And it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And fortunately, our frontline staff, they're the ones that have suffered the most and they've worked so hard and give so much of themselves. And I, I agree there needs to be that conversation, what works for you and listening, listening to it. It goes a long way to just sit there and listen to your employees. You'll be surprised at what they'll actually say to you. Absolutely. As you know, of course, we've had so much change the last couple of years from being fully remote, obviously, mostly the office workers as well as school and and teachers and and all that. So then coming back to the office, plus dealing with the pandemic. So people have rightfully, sorry, been feeling disengaged because I think we're all exhausted it's so many ways. What are some tips both from the business perspective and from an employee perspective on how to be engaged at work after everything that has happened and that we've been through? Great question. And yeah, it's always an interesting one, this engagement piece, because when we look at some global studies, engagement is always low. That's why I'm talking to you know, research done by places like Gallup. But Obviously, this is up to the organisation to try and track and measure and work out yeah, their employees currently seeing from the engagement perspective. But there's always work we can do. I believe that one of the quickest, most effective ways that we can help employees be engaged at work is actually to use their strengths. So we talk a lot about this concept of playing to strengths and intuitively it makes a lot of sense. But what we do know is that not a lot of people are actually adopting that strategy. So the ways that we do that is, you know, first step is actually knowing one's strengths. So they can do that through a whole range of different tools, but also you can just be asking your questions of yourself around what lights you up at work? What are the activities you're doing when you might be low? Which is that idea that time just disappears because we're so engaged in what's in front of us. So the first thing we're going to do is work out what those strengths are. But the second one, which is the most important, is then working out How do we develop them and how do we use them more in our roles? So it comes back to that whole idea of job crafting where we want to be using our strengths more so we can develop them because they are actually a bit like a muscle where we need to use them for them to grow and for us to be stronger. So certainly from an individual perspective, there's knowing and then applying strengths. 
But from the organization's perspective, we need more support. So we need to think about how do our teams actually perhaps craft their jobs around strings? So can you align certain roles and responsibilities within teams so they're better playing to the strengths of individual members? From the organization's perspective, so thinking about all employees, they've also got to support a strengths focus. So this is even things talk to organizations about around what's your communications like? What are the templates even that you're providing people maybe to develop their professional goals? Does it have a space for strengths? How are you running performance reviews? Are you defaulting to talking about what's wrong with people and where their gaps are from a development perspective, as opposed to actually asking what you enjoy doing and how can you do more of that? And even thinking about your policies and other processes. So there's lots that the organization can be doing as well to become strength-based. And typically this does go against a lot of the traditional approaches that we see in organizations. So that's why anyone that's trying to do this, I, call, I say that it actually requires a shift in your mindset. So a shift from what's wrong to what's right. And as I said, traditionally, that's not the way that organizations or, or where their focus has been. I love that so much. And I'm so happy that is what you speak to organizations about, focusing on the strengths, because that has been a missing piece for a very long time. It's, what are your weaknesses and how can we make them better? But everyone's got different strengths and weaknesses. And that's why there's an range of employees in a team, right? So if we could all play to our strengths and we all have different strengths, like how much more employers will be getting out from their employees and vice versa. And the employees will be thriving and showing up in, in the best way possible too. That's a great focus. And I always say to organizations, there's obstacles that get in the way of us truly having that strengths focus. So the first is that all of us have this negativity bias built within us. And so quite naturally, we focus on our gaps and our weaknesses before we think about our strengths. So that's the first piece. So we're actually wired to look at what's wrong with us. The second one is, I think, as organizations and workplaces, again, you know, the focus has very much been look at your gas, look at what's wrong and try and fill it as opposed to playing to strengths. But as a strategy, what we're found in the research or what the research has found is that focusing on weaknesses and trying to turn it into a strength is really hard work. It takes something like 10,000 hours to try to turn a weakness into a strength. So it's really hard. And then from a performance perspective, when you adopt that strategy, you actually only ever achieve average performance. So whereas when you play to your strengths, you can exceed the average. You can have exceptional performance. So again, from a strategy perspective, the strengths approach yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the third thing that gets in the way might be an Australian cultural piece around that tool copy syndrome where a lot of us actually don't want to seem overconfident or egotistical when talking about all these great things that are right with us. We would feel more comfortable talking about, oh, these are my shortfalls and these are all the things I do wrong. So there's definitely a few things that get in the way of adopting this approach, but the benefits that I've seen with organizations that have been able to achieve this are incredible. I love that so much. And also like touching on the crafting your job perspective that we were talking about before, that also feeds into that because if you really focus on your strengths, it's a great way to craft a role that 
might be outside of your scope of what you're doing, but could be exactly what the organization is and what you need to. So it's just thinking outside the box as well and not thinking, oh, I'm just, for example, like a lawyer, so I have to play within this realm of skills. But what if I'm really interested in like business operations or something, you know, if you have a workplace that really allows you to play with your strengths and focus in on them, then it's just a win-win situation for everyone. Absolutely love that. Now, before we wrap up, I would really love to know what career confidence means to you and what's one practical tip you could offer the audience to build their confidence in their career. A great question to end on. And I think it comes back to a whole lot of what we've already been talking about. Career confidence for me, I see as being authentic and true to you. So that is knowing your purpose and trying to fulfill that as best as you can. And it probably incorporates things like playing to your streets as well. Those things that are your superpowers that you bring to the workplaces and your work. I think from a practical perspective, one of the best things you can do is work out what lights you up? Okay, so what is it that you are actually doing day to day, hopefully, or during your week that leaves you energized? So you walk away from that actually lit up as opposed to drained. By finding out what that is, that's probably going to start to outline what some of your strengths are. So you want to be trying to do more of that as much as possible because that's you at your best. That's you engaged. That's you performing really well. That's you probably low. So my suggestion is always to try and identify that what that is and try and do more of it. And hopefully that's going to be coming back to you at your truest. So you're not doing what someone else expects of you or wants you to do. You're doing what you want to do. So that would probably be that sort of practical tip that I would leave with the audience. I love that. And where can my audience find you to connect with you and find out more about what you do? I have a website, so it's anaglynn.com.au. I'm also on LinkedIn where I regularly share the tips and strategies that I've learned. So you can find me there. I've also got various social media channels, including Facebook and Instagram. But always happy for anyone to email me or contact me directly. And my details are on the website as well. Amazing. I'll put all of that in the show notes so the audience can connect with you. And I thank you so much for our conversation today. It was very insightful. I learned a lot and I know that my audience will also get a lot out of this too. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Maria. All best. You're so welcome. Thanks for tuning into the Career Confidence Podcast. Like what you learned today? Why not share this episode with your work bestie and leave us a five-star review on wherever you listen to your podcast on. We'd absolutely love to get into more ears and help more women just like you build fulfilling and thriving careers. Until next time.